So come in, Nick. Welcome to Stage Door Athletic Clubhouse. Mm. What do you think of it? It's beautiful. It's good, isn't it? Very good. We, um, as you'll, you'll be pleased to hear, we've been screening the Rugby World Cup over the weekend. Mm, very nice. Yes, yeah, so very good. I can see the debris. Yes, um, we've had a sort of interesting uh, conversation about cultural appropriation because Ken has been wearing a stripy top, a la sort of John Paul Gaultier. Okay. Yeah. Um, and a berry. Mm. And we were sort of discussing whether that's cultural appropriation or not. No, Ken, Ken, it's inappropriate, Ken. You can't wear that anymore. No, because it's cultural appropriate. Gents, gents, come over. Come uh, over. Good to see you. Yeah, yeah. Well. Oh, hi, Jack. Jack. Jack's here. Hello, guys. Um, but the thing is, the thing that informed that debate is that generally Ken does wear a berry most most days. So. I think it's I think it's it's probably <laughs> the fact that he's not wearing anything on his lower half that's a bit more of the issue. That is. Yeah, that's more, classic more Ken. Of the issue. Yes. But yeah, we had the games on over the weekend, so we thought this would be a good opportunity to get an expert in because we joined the Nick I refer to as Nick Heath, who is a future guest of Stage Door Athletic. Yes. But also, of course, men and women's rugby commentator for networks all around the world. So this is a rare opportunity to have him in the clubhouse. Who better to have a conversation? Yes, to debrief on the weekend's matches and just get a sense of where you reckon this World Cup might go and, of course, just educate the whatever the sporting Luddite equivalent is with respect That's me. to rugby. I, I, yeah, I do, I do not know anything about rugby. Watching the game on Saturday, I mean, I'll watch the matches, of course, any excuse to watch some sports. I was sitting next to a good pal of my of myself <laughs> good pal of mine called sid who is a uh, rugby coach and i was chewing his ear off going what's a ruck who's maul why are they running around like this shouldn't that be a foul he's bleeding and of course it is illegal now to chew anyone's ear off yeah yes <laughs> as well so. <laughs> very apt so yes yeah, so i'm looking forward to, to having this conversation and having a bit of education yeah okay so that is a good place to start because i played rugby union through school i played league outside as did most of the lads and we played union because we had a big union fan as our p teacher and throughout all those years, I didn't really understand what I was doing. Rugby's union, and this isn't another bugbear of mine as a rugby league fan, mm-hmm. is the term rugby applied to rugby union. Because we're talking about rugby union as opposed to rugby league. And of course, they like to claim dominance, so they just adopt rugby uh, as opposed to rugby union. So I'll try and say rugby union where possible. <laughs> but I never really understood the rules. And I think rugby union is in a bit of a weird point in its evolution at the minute isn't it in a really admirable attempt to try and reduce injury head injury particularly Mm -hmm. so they're doing some incredibly brave things to fundamentally change some of the key rules that existed for a very long time in the game which is obviously creating a big state of flux for players and viewers We've seen that over the course of the weekend with the sending offs already. Where where are you at with all that? Where are you in relationship to all of that? Yeah, I think um, nice to be here. By the way, I think uh, the aspect of, of rugby union is, by its very nature, a complex sport, and I think that is a point at which people who are big supporters of the game, people who play in it, people who market it, you know, all of this kind of stuff. I think there has to be a constant recognition that that is the case and that if we want the sport to grow, we need to do everything we can to explain it, have it have it be more understood and in the process, obviously, for people to see that it is a physical game, but one that is played within safe parameters. And that's yeah. what you're referring to particularly. We do have ex-players that are, you know, bringing lawsuits in the waiting um, around having CTE and, and early onset dementia. That's a really difficult thing for the sport. You know, at no stage really 
to my knowledge and, and and in the knowledge of what I've read, has rugby been all knowing on this front and therefore been cheating people that have played the game out of yeah. anything may come of it? It's an unfortunate byproduct of people that have taken head knocks um, historically who are now, because of the advances in medicine, we're understanding more about what causes these sorts of things. So I've every sympathy with everything they're going through and all their families going through. But is it rugby's fault? I'm not entirely sure that rugby was knowing enough to be culpable but that'll be for the lawmakers to decide when these when these lawsuits get get closer i think in the meantime there is there are so many beautiful things about rugby as a game that i love and and ultimately the people have turned around to me and asked why it's capable of being a more inclusive sport and i kind of think well you've got looking at it very traditionally almost less so at the at the elite end and more of the grassroots end you've got the two props at the front of the scrum that are your two fat blokes regular friends of the dinner ladies <laughs> And the hooker is probably some absolute nut job who's one of the shortest muscular blokes on the field who's just got a chip on his shoulder about everything. Then you've got two lanky old sods in the second row who have got the same probably weight as one of the props despite being twice as tall as them. <laughs> and then you've got some sort of gentle meatheads in the back row who can maybe run a bit fast, but, a, but you know, don't mind lifting a bit of tin in the gym then a tiny bloke that won't shut up and is very irritating will be your scrum half the I one... was a scrum half yeah me too I was a... oh, oh, I'm sorry sorry that's your conversation <laughs> <laughs> um, then you got then you got the you know the bloke with the coiffured hair that's your fly half and that's me the that's me I'm the fly half I'm the fly Hi, half Jack. yeah that's me and then <laughs> a bit of a meathead 12 bit of a gliding runner at 13 and then a couple of quick blokes at the back and a bloke who can catch and kick a bit so there's a whole variety of people that make up a rugby team to the point that one of them will, you know, be a chippy and one will be a scaffolder and one will be a doctor or a vet or one of the, you know, whatever it might be. It might be an actor. But all of these people are part of one team that if they win together on the field that day, they're sharing a beer in the clubhouse afterwards. And it's it's an immediate recognition that whether you're the short, fat bloke or the tall, skinny bloke or the really speedy bloke or the really powerful bloke, you've all contributed something in that team. And when you're in the bar afterwards, we don't need to, you know, remember absolutely everything about it. We just remember that together as a team, we all pull together. Yeah. I think there's a really naturally inclusive thing about that, which means that it doesn't matter who you work for or who you love or any of those kind of things. Ultimately, you're all there to join a common cause in the hope that if you're victorious, you can have a couple of beers afterwards. And I think yeah. I think rugby's very good at getting that side of it right socially. So that's why I think it does have an element of pride, yes, borderline smugness at times, um, about its its role in creating those sort of socially acceptable environments where everybody can can relax and be themselves. And, and, it, and it is less tribal, I think, because of that. But yeah, it's uh, it's a game that at the minute, because of the physicality, is having to address the fact that, OK, we now know there, there are those medical links, but we now have to make it as safe as it possibly can be, knowing you're still getting tackled. It's still a contact sport. So lowering the tackle height and penalising moments where there'll be head contact. And it's not always. This is what people, I think, don't understand sometimes. We're not penalising people in rugby because that hit is necessarily super dangerous. We're penalising it because it's it's a deterrent to say you weren't in control or you were hitting in an area that could cause a brain injury. So therefore, 
you need to take 10 minutes out to think about what you've done or it's more serious you'll be banned for a number of games yeah so that you don't do it again and it's preventative as much as it's also making sure that we cut out the game i get all of that but watching it this weekend i was looking thinking tech curry sending off i was just about to say yeah i, I don't know what he possibly could have done differently exactly in yeah. that split second as he approached that player mm. it seemed to me like he tried to retract backwards as a body movement anyway as he came in well his eyes on the ball his eyes never lost lost contact with the ball he wasn't looking at the player I mean you look at football if there's intent when you're looking at the player as opposed to the object in which you're actually both sure are supposed to be going for there's nothing Curry could have done they're both contesting the ball it seemed like a fair challenge it's just unfortunately in rugby you're going to get injuries like that you're going to have moments it's a very physical sport but I mean some of the lads in the pub were apoplectic proper rugby fans going what's the sport come to how can how is that a yellow let alone an hour sending off it's crazy yeah and a, num- a number of pundits would agree with you as well I, you know and I I don't necessarily stand up for the decision I think also when Tom Curry has his hearing I think there will be a number of things in terms of mitigation yeah, that they will apply they may agree that it's still a red card because of the head contact but that just a sending off and, and you know a one or two match ban is going to be enough I don't know and then but, we had the Scotland South Africa game where we saw almost an identical thing not even referred or discussed well yeah. and this is this this is the issue and, and consistency is, is is part of the problem here and we have this system that's been brought in recently called the bunker system where a referee can basically say look it's a yellow card minimum and while you're in the sin bin, there will be eight minutes for a foul play review officer to have a look over the f- footage and decide if they upgrade it to a red or not. And that is good for the continuity of the game. So the game can continue to flow and we're not spending four or five minutes looking at various replays. But as we saw with Owen Farrell in the warm-up games, he went to the disciplinary after the um, foul play review officer had upgraded it to a red. Then the hearing said, no, it wasn't a red, he's free to play. Then World Rugby didn't like the look of that, quite rightly, because it wasn't sending the right message and ultimately a load of us were a bit mouth-opened as to how they adjudged that there was mitigation in that moment. And then it went back to being the red card and the ban. So it was a whole load of unnecessary drama and theatrics around the decision, which was in danger of undermining the bunker system in its entirety so now we're back to hopefully being able to trust the bunker system but again we've now got you know an environment this weekend where what is going to happen with the judgment around Tom Curry is that going to I suspect it will stay as red because I think I think part of what afford it not to can they I agree well yeah that's part of it I think in that environment what they are trying to educate even further and I I fully appreciate that this is this is really requiring athletes in the heat of the moment around split second decisions to be almost superhuman yeah. almost unhuman is they they're wanting to send the message that says if you are going into that scenario from three, four meters out and you can recognize that there may be a degree of danger in this, that is where you need to be culpable for your actions. Yeah. So by the time he's arrived in that scenario where the head clash happens, actually, it's not about necessarily the immediate dynamics of that head clash. It's about the decision to have put himself in that area of danger the for, the, for, the, for the opponent in yeah, the first I place. That. That's clearly explained. I think, um, I mean, let's not even go near scrums and how <laughs> defunct they're becoming at the minute let's get to the real let's let's think about that opening weekend amazing let's talk about the serious issues what was the human caterpillar in the opening ceremony doing i thought that was an extraordinary <laughs> moment i loved I just, it 
I loved it. I, loved, I, loved it. I just, I've always loved the French, and I love their unadulterated ability to go, ah, we're both okay. Uh, here we is, do what I'm, you Monsieur want, Le, uh, I'm Monsieur Le Boulanger, ouais. and here are my bread. I, I'm with my beret and my strappy top. I mean, it's just brilliant. The French public will look at it and go, cool, what do the world think of us? And whatever we think of them, they go, yeah, you can think that if you like. We don't care. We don't it's care. Just, I, yeah, we're, we're, I, it's so I, true. I, I, I adore, was something yeah, else. I adore the French. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've 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 touched on the drudgery of, of where the game is at around decision making, but we have had a glorious opening weekend of, of plenty. It of has been well. great. What's yeah. been the highlight? Do you think so far? My highlight is probably my highlight and low light all at the same time. So I don't want to get too drudged down in referee decisions again. But um, Wales Fiji was um, absolutely brilliant. Wanted the Fijians to. They are the most naturally gifted rugby players on the planet. Through lack of funding, they've had corrupt union presidents in place. Money they've been given by World Rugby has been diverted into all sorts of the wrong people's pockets because they couldn't be trusted. That is down to a few rogue individuals and bad apples within Fiji over decades, unfortunately. They are finally getting the sort of backing, the sort of support, the sort of education around training and nutrition and and all that kind of stuff. And also a lot of them are playing in professional clubs and setups around Europe, which means that that this idea is is no longer new. I don't mean to patronise any of them by saying this, but it, it has been the case for a number of years. So we're now seeing Fijian rugby teams not only be able to throw the ball around like we love them to, but stay in a game for 60, 70, 80 minutes, whereas before a well-conditioned Wales or England would be able to power past them. We saw them beat England at Twickenham, albeit a very lacklustre, not knowing where they are, England team. So I felt they were let down with consistency of decisions against Wales. I think Wales should have had two or three more yellow cards than they did. As a nation whose hands a rugby ball sticks to like that, for the idea that there was that wide pass to, to send Semi Rendrandra in for the score and he clearly just took his eye off it and dropped it. I threw my head to my hand and actually welled up and I don't tend to get that emotional in a negative sporting environment. I often, I'll often find myself crying through someone's joy or achievement <laughs> and I actually welled up out of frustration and sadness for them because I just was like, Can I, I, I cannot believe, you know, Fiji don't drop the rugby ball very often and they just have and, and they had the chance to score in the corner and convert for what would have been an outrageous and brilliant win so it was it was an unbelievable game for a sunday night for us all to enjoy but you're not the, yeah, you're was... not the only person i mean as I've, we've said i've got a limited knowledge of rugby but you're not the only person i've come across who has this really nice soft spot for fiji as a rugby team i think probably 90 percent of the world if you weren't welsh last night wanted fiji to win yeah. and it's not an anti that's not an anti-welsh thing they no. could have been playing england they could have been playing scotland they could have been playing france it's because they they've never really been given a fair crack because of who they are because because of where they're located um, and it's taken World Rugby a long time to allocate them the right resources and for the right resources to be channeled in the right way mm. for them to develop and so this generation of players are sort of some of the first that are beginning to show their skills mm. with a lot of that backing behind them yeah I mean now what I'm hoping is that they turn Australia over and they do get a result yeah. in that group that could see them through to the quarterfinals because no one will want to face them um, and that would be great yeah amazing how absorbed are you in it Jack are you going to stick with it uh that was a sign of no i i i I, look as we know i i I love sport i love all aspects of sport it's just rugby has always been the one that's 
almost staggered me. I don't find... I'm going to be really horrible here and you're probably going to be offended. I just don't find it an interesting sport. I don't find it artistic. And I don't... I think that's because I'm five foot nothing, little, and I've never played rugby in my life. I mm. just don't... I find it too brutal. I don't find it artistic or beautiful to watch enough. If you run... If you run back that Jack Wilshire goal that Arsenal scored against Norwich it's one of the best goals Rob you're looking at me look you haven't seen it I'll send it to you it's one of the most beautiful sweeping moves I've ever seen in my life rugby I just can't seem to get out of my head the brutality of the just oh, it's just 22 men hitting each other for 80 minutes well I totally get that but I think that that just could be a generational thing as well I think you know Dick and I are <laughs> yeah, sorry, a different sorry. generation to you and we grew up with sort of lots of footage of the JPR Williams Welsh teams mm. sweeping up a field in but the French the the French flair of those teams and I think maybe when you come to it, I'm making an assumption here, is there was a phase where it all became a little bit around the upfront forwards taking each other on in the middle of the pitch. Yeah. And even the last World Cup final where England was sort of bruised out of the game by this extraordinary South African pack who were not just brutal, but really sophisticated in their brutality and very mm. organised in it. So I think I can totally get that. Well, I, I, I'd also suggest... By the, way, by the way, I am stealing sophisticated in their brutality for my next report. <laughs> my God, that's afraid. I was just about to say, like, you know, my 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 choice of vocabulary is obviously very ignorant because I haven't watched a lot of rugby, but and it's from a very sort of you know basic level of watching the sport. But I find it really valuable hearing hearing your view because obviously I'm in an echo chamber. I work in the sport. Sure, I talk to sure. people who love the game a lot. So you're constantly talking to people about the detail of it. You're not necessarily fronted with someone saying these are the reasons I've never got into it. So I actually find I think it's fascinating. Good because I really don't like rugby. Um, I think Rob touches on a point and I think it's ultimately that you know when you're talking about sweeping football goals that have you know gone through the team and the sort of negative sides of of football put me off for years until I started to accept the balletic creative nature of actually controlling that that round bag of air and Mm. and control between players and then you know magnificent goals and stuff and and it took me a long time to get into it probably until my late teens early 20s there is all that physicality that's putting you off with it yeah you're probably right but yeah. I think to not accept or, or to, to then not see that actually, yes, there's the brutality to try and basically get your way past the first layer of infantry and cavalry that have arrived. But as soon as you've done that, you've got the quick blokes and the blokes with the deftness of touch yeah. that will then send it down a back line, will run a backs move that foxes a defence completely and they will sail through holes and float 20 metre passes to score tries. And that, for me, is just the stuff that gets me out of my chair. You see, you're already winning me over. You're all but it's it's that I mean I'm I'm drawn to people who are passionate about anything to be honest even being in the pub for the England game the other day being around people who love the sport and they are just as involved as Rob and I would be for football and Rob of rugby league it is fascinating and brilliant to be around I do think I need to sort of learn the game properly and then I mean I'm sort of a, a lower standing of conversation level when I kind of hire that up a little bit I think I'd be able to make a, a decent guess at it all and how much I like it or not but yeah I don't know I, I, I will try it's because I never played it I'm yeah. fucking mm. I'm a streak of piss I'm getting right. knocked I mean, over just, it's incredibly nuanced and complex sport that does require some level of awareness to appreciate that I think <laughs> what is quite unique about it is you know generally in the big tournaments the home nations are always going to be there and you do get this mm. inter-UK battles taking place all the time which is great and it's going to happen here what's your predictions if we went through the, the home nations Nick where do you think they might end up I was really hoping Scotland would come a lot closer to South 
Africa, but South Africa are there. Just that 10 minutes after second, the start of the second half and in South Africa. And they're like a greatest hits album, yeah. that, that South Africa team at the minute. They are all so good, including the ones that come off the bench. They're a frighteningly strong outfit. Because the draw was done three years ago, because the French wanted to get the ticketing underway earlier than it ever has been before, the teams were drawn at a point where all the rankings were not a reflection of where they are now. So that's why we have the top five countries ranked in the same side of the draw, which makes yeah. no sense at all. Yeah, so in one pool, we have South Africa, Scotland and Ireland. Ireland ranked first in the world, South Africa second and, and Scotland to a fifth. All of them playing each other at any point in that pool is absolutely fascinating to me. So the next, you know, we've got Ireland and South Africa and Ireland and Scotland to come out of that little triangle. Yeah. And the Irish looked really good. I was really pleased to see how good they looked. It was only against Romania, who were a minnow at this competition, but I thought they looked good. They're um, in with a the real chance. They are in with a real chance. And, and I, I have more really? Irish blood than English. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, ranked number one in the world. They've beating the All Blacks. They're the real deal. I'm, I'm just going to shut up and let you talk. Because they're coached by a, a, a rugby league <laughs> professional. But yeah, so they're, they're good. <laughs> Wales Wales will take a lot of confidence from that Fiji performance. Yeah. They've got to go and play Australia. That'll be a fascinating encounter. One of the obviously it's two two go through from each group. So I would love Fiji to get through, but they may well not, um, depending on their result with Australia. But they did get two bonus points from that Wales game. Yeah. They scored four tries to get one bonus point and they finished within seven points to get a second. So that's quite good. Uh, say that again. Is that a thing? I didn't even... What? <laughs> yeah. So so if you win a game, you get four points in the table. But if you score four tries, you get an additional bonus point. So you can get a maximum five points in your table. Wow. And similarly, if you are losing, you can still four, you can still score four tries and get a bonus point even if you lose. And if, as a losing team, you finish within seven points of the team that wins, which is ultimately a mechanic put in place to make sure that teams continue playing, even yes. if they might feel like they're under the cost, then you also get a losing bonus. So if you scored four tries and finished within seven of the winning team, then you can still come out from the game with two points in the table. I quite like that, to be fair. Yeah, that's quite a good chance. Unless it's a Wednesday, in which case you can get an extra point as well. <laughs> it's just that accessibility and simply, simplification point again, just doing its best to, to, to help out the, and, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the new fan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, of course... England, um, and who I haven't got to, yeah, you're quite right, yeah. Who, frankly, have been appalling in the run-up to it. But on the back of three audacious drop goals, mm. it's sort of maybe changed direction, do you oh, think? Another moment to potentially confuse the hell out of Jack, our passing, attempting to get into rugby fan. Mm-hmm. The drop goal seems to rear its head predominantly in World Cups, it, it, it appears. Ultimately, I think George Ford and the England team had an eye on using it as, as, as a trick up the sleeve to get some points on the board. But I think in the environment where Tom Curry was sent off, England down to 14, knowing, what, knowing that the Pumas are a very good side, taking those opportunities to get those points on the board and just dent the confidence of, of the Pumas I thought was really clever and I heard George Ford talk about which of the three he was the most happy with bear in mind two of them were almost 50 meters from the halfway line but he liked the third one which was seven meters out more than the rest because he says that's the one that England were were camped on the line and they were they looked like they might score but it was so hot the ball is really greasy with sweat with all those big men cuddling the ball all the time it's a real issue I've heard rugby players talk about it before and sweat is slipperier than water yeah so um, he was saying 
if that team had gone through 10 or 12 phases of trying to score a try, they might have knocked it on. It might have squirted out like a bar of soap. If we're there and we can take the three points, let's take them. That took them beyond a seven-point advantage, which obviously is a converted try. So that psychologically going into half-time was massive for England, yeah. being down to 14. So I think the management of the scoreboard and using that option of a drop goal to make that work was super sound. Keep um, keep, keep, the, keep it ticking over? Somebody said that in the pub. Keep the scoreboard yeah, ticking yeah, over? Keep the scoreboard ticking like over. There you go. You're getting, you're getting the phrases down. Yeah. Yeah. I'll um, commentate the next one, up. Nick. Don't worry about it. I'll do it next Excellent. time. Excellent. I'll tune in. <laughs> And yeah, and then second half, it was more penalties anyway. So yeah, I think I saw someone tweet Oldham 27, uh, Argentina 3, um, or 8, or whatever it was in the end. Yeah, I, I thought it was a really assured performance. Interestingly, looking on social as well after the game, there were a lot of foreign journalists, not, not English ones, saying that was one of the most intelligent performances of a rugby team in a game that they've seen for a long time. And I thought mm. that's a really interesting way of looking at it because they needed to find a way to just negate that disadvantage they had yeah because they've got amazing squads some brilliant players just not for whatever reason clicking together they've and not been the sum of their performance parts, is the yeah. sort of thing that not greater than the sum of their parts that's, that's Rob's, a great that's phrase oh no nick. The, nick that's rob's like <laughs> raison d'etre that's his motto it's ridiculous that's why we love it <laughs> it's where um, we love so what's your prediction for the tournament who's coming out on top I've had a sneaky flutter on France to get to the final yeah. and I, I would like them to be there against South Africa probably, um, or I imagine they will be. That's probably more the case. I think a lot of South Africans think that they've got this tournament in the bag and I think as soon as fans feel like that, I want them to lose. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm with you, yeah. I mean, I would love the French to win purely because for the last two, three years, that French team have been glorious. Yeah. They have played rugby from the gods. Fabien Galtier, former international, is their coach. They've got Raffery Benez as their team manager. They walk around in their beautiful tight blue suits <laughs> with the white trainers on. <laughs> they do look good, the French. They do look good. Half of the French team are just stunning gentlemen, um, <laughs> and they play amazing rugby, um, and I want that brand of rugby to be rewarded with lifting the trophy you know they, it's their time surely if a home world cup we need a squad as you've described surely it's, we, it's, we need it's another northern hand, hemisphere team to be lifting it and i think yeah them or ireland would would make it for me i could see it being a france South Africa and final. the way the draw works out is it an ireland france semi potentially is it yeah so we, we couldn't see ireland france, france or ireland, ireland south africa so this is the thing i mean ireland might be first in the world but ultimately if they're going to go all the way they have to get past scotland and south africa in their group then France or New Zealand, well, probably, uh, I mean, if France, gone, well, now that France have beaten New Zealand, then arguably they're going to be, Ireland will meet New Zealand. They will probably mind that less, given that they've beaten them more recently. So that'll be uh, interesting. But yeah, it's, it's a tough run for them. But then someone will cliche tell you, oh, well, if you're going to go all the way, you've got to play these teams exactly. eventually. You've got, you've got to, to be the it. best yeah. to be the best. You totally, do. Yeah. Lopsided draw aside, if anything, that's given us more to talk about before a ball was kicked and now the tournament's up and running. Um, we will still have a few more one-sided ones. You know, France will play Namibia over this round two weekend. That'll be a, a, a cricket score. We, we will still have a few of those, but there's there's still plenty to get our teeth into over, over the rest of, of the pool games. Yeah, you're heading to Marseille. Uh, no, I'm or, heading to Lyon. Lyon, pardon. Um, and to Saint Etienne, and it's an amazing stadium there. I called France against Scotland in the warm-up games there, and it's a hell of a racket. It's called Le Chaudron Vert, oh, uh, the Green Cauldron, and uh, yeah, it's good fun. Where Saint Etienne play their football? All, all of their stadiums are, are absolutely. That Marseille stadium is oh. gorgeous. It's an it? absolutely gorgeous stadium. They've got some beautiful.
beautiful yeah. players out there. Yeah, so I'm seeing the uh, the highbrow matches of Australia, Portugal, and mm. New Zealand, Uruguay. Um, yes. And I'm going nice. with a mate of mine who's an All Blacks fan, so I'm currently researching the Uruguay clobber I can wear to that game. Yes. Um, I'm not going for a replica top, though, 90 quid. No, no. no maybe a cap. Maybe no. a cap. Yeah. I think that's a good shout. What surprises might we look out for? That's an interesting one. I think we want the teams, we want those Pacific Island teams to be given a fair crack. So it's whether Samoa, Tonga or Fiji can turn over a team that they might not be expected to, although, you know, they were higher than Wales in the rankings when they played them yesterday. So arguably should they have been expected to win, blah, blah, blah. Portugal have been an absolute joy to commentate on in the Rugby Europe Championship. It is a lower status tournament. They are a tier two nation. I sort of hate patronising teams by talking about how passionate they are and how much spirit they've got. <laughs> but the Portuguese are, are, are a great bunch of boys. They are semi-pro. Half of them have got jobs, you know, surveyors and solicitors and all sorts of stuff and doctors and teachers. So to just see them at a World Cup is I was going to say, that is amazing. Can you imagine that in any other sport? Yeah. Brilliant. England football is teachers playing for you know in the on the world stage it's brilliant absolutely brilliant yeah so seeing them seeing them to you know have a good account of themselves um will be good favorite kit i know his collars are back in um, always love the argentina like the collar. it's good isn't kit. it yeah really good it's france france's kit front that color is gorgeous france's kit is amazing interestingly world rugby are also doing work on um for anyone who's confused by for example the south africa kit at the weekend they're mm. doing work um with colorblind awareness which oh, a whopping really? 300 million people um, suffer with colorblind awareness. Wow. And so they basically, rather than it just being that you're in a change strip that might be a different color, if it's still a dark color, then they want you to try and change, or if the other team have a light color. It's not being imposed on teams, but they have let it be known, and a number of teams have signed up to it. So the South Africans have said that they won't play in their dark green if someone else has a dark color, and they'll play in their light strip. There's about yeah. four or five teams that have said that. That makes total yeah. sense. What a great show. So it's cool, isn't total it? Sense. So really ultimately, good. people who watch sport that see a bright Bright red and a bright green team cannot tell the difference yeah, between sure. the two. Um, and why would you, you know, alienate an audience of up to 300 million people if by just getting someone to wear a different jersey, you could get more people included? Now, you know, I say that as a nice, inclusive person, but the amount of people getting out of their chairs over the fact that their team aren't wearing their home <laughs> yes, colour. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's stupid. probably more to do by the hodgepodge horrific design that was the South Africa <laughs> away jersey rather yeah, than its colour composition. It I was quite liked it. Number. I quite liked it. It, it yeah. reminded me of a soccer shirt, to be honest. Yeah. It looked very much like a, Did a, bit, a yeah. third shirt from, um, from Norwich. Okay, well, great. Well, that's uh, Jackie feeling more informed. Her, I'm feeling more informed. I'm feeling rejuvenated. I'm feeling set on watching the rest of the matches until mm. probably the final. I'll watch the final. You'll watch the final. Settle down in, in front of South Africa, Ireland. Okay. And, uh, and, and, you know, you can enjoy that. That'll yeah, be, that'll be physical as anything. Same, same weekend, Wales, Australia is then on the Sunday. So you've got a couple, yes. a couple of afternoon evenings there to, uh, to sit down with a beer and enjoy uh, Noted. Yeah, those, those third-round games. Good man. You've done myself a service. Thanks, Nick. You can watch them all in the clubhouse. All the games yeah. will be shown. Can I get you a drink? Yeah. Can I have a pint of full-fat Coke? Yes. Uh, and some um, bacon fries. Oh, bacon fries. Yes. Oh, scampi and some iron brew for me. I can't get iron brew off my mind. I'm loving it at the moment. Oh, Scam- yeah, scampi fries is a good shout as well. Oh, Nick's got me wanting a frazzle now. Yeah, Fair I enough. think that's we'll where be, I'm heading. We'll be burping them for days. They really repeat on you, those things. <laughs> they do, don't they? Oh, that's part of the joy. Value for money yeah, as a true. northerner. I appreciate that. Well, thanks, Nick. Brilliant. Cheers. Pleasure. <laughs>